I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to this latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight is the lovely and talented sarah elizabeth park hello and the ghostly amanda who you may or may not be able to hear but she is with us as always in spirit and uh, tonight's episode, uh, speaking of spirits, is our first for the month. Actually, I think it's the first for the month of October. I could be off. Um, but we are getting in the Halloween spirit early. And this episode, our discussion topic will be the classic universal monsters. Because they're awesome. Yay. Yes. Yay. <laughs> yes. Old school, baby. You can't get any better than that. And um, well, we're going to have two very special guests with us. Um, we're going to have sculpting god and toy maker extraordinaire Jean St. Jean and monster kid extraordinaire J. Michael Roddy, who has an upcoming documentary that I actually may be in uh, called Monster Kids. And uh, I'm very excited about having him on. It's going to be a great documentary as well. There's a, a teaser trailer up on the website for the film. And um, it's uh, got Greg Nicotero in it, who we all know and love. And uh, George Romero, I believe, is in there. Uh, there's just a ton of great people in the industry that are all in love with the monsters. And um, that's why we're we're here and what inspired uh, many of us to get into this craziness. So... With that being said, uh, later on they will be joining us and we're going to dish on all the dark siders of the Universal Studios. Um, but with that, on to the Weekend Geek. On! Weekend Geek! Weekend Geek! Weekend yes. Geek. <laughs> Let's just say that a few more times like I'll screamy like schoolgirls. Sound good? Weekend Geek! Ah, Weekend Geek! <laughs> Well, and, and I know this is a sore subject for Sarah because she hasn't gotten to see it yet. And I'm going to try and keep this as spoiler-free as possible. But I, we have to talk about it because we don't have any other shows yet to talk about, really. Until this weekend when The Walking Dead Season season 3 starts on yeah. Sunday. Um, but yes, bring me my Dixon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, we have to talk about Once Upon a Time whose second episode aired and was awesome. And no, we don't have any Captain Hook yet, sadly, but he's coming. And he was added on as a regular. Yay. Um, but uh, I actually think that they sort of they sort of solidified one thing 
that was rumored about um, and a lot of people were speculating on, which is, and Sarah, I'm going to ask you if you want to hear this because this isn't that spoilery. It's fine. Just, just, just do it. Like I said, somebody was I, listening to it really loud and in my break room at work today, and I was livid. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who have not gotten to see it yet, and you're, you're waiting to see it, and you don't have cable or whatever, you know, if, if you have internet access and you have an iPhone, or I don't, I don't know if I have an iPhone. I don't know of any other app applications for any other phones that may have this but abc does have the episodes up about a day later for free on their website that you can stream and you can also also on hulu plus and it's also on hulu plus which you have to pay for but abc has it with commercials but they're not that annoying and they also have an app for free that you can download it allows you to stream it through your iphone too um but the um we had already talked about the the first episode where we thought that um, it was Never Never Land was where everyone was holed up, um, and uh, because supposedly the 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 kingdom had been destroyed, decimated, the forest had been decimated, so everyone was scattered, and um, also it, it appears that um, Wonderland was also affected in this, yeah. from what we can tell, and so. Something happened in this episode that sort of cemented my uh, thoughts and every, a lot of other people's uh, maybes of who the Queen of Hearts was, since you never got to see her face. Do you know who it is? Because I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I've ha- done something from last season. Yeah, was- yeah, but everybody kind of had an idea that they thought they knew who it was. This doesn't actually come out and say it, but it gives a very good, you know, strong argument for who they think it is. I'm trying to be very unspoilery. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's okay. Just you, you just. Just, you can say it. It's okay. I can handle it. Regina's mom. Oh. Yes. Something happens in this episode that sort of solidifies a lot of arguments that that is very much Regina's mom. But never comes out and says it. Uh, So Cora, Regina's mother. And you also find out some great history and how Rumpelstiltskin and the Queen met. And it's so good. I just, I love me some Rumpelstiltskin, so. Oh, you're going to love this. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, this might be my favorite outfit that he wears, too. Ooh. It is very sexy. Mr. Carlisle, you need to wear more of this. (laughs) (laughs) But I absolutely love this episode. And also, this is one of those... um, it's as interesting. It's it's actually very much a David slash charming episode too. Uh, I hearing in the break room. Yeah, it's God. Yeah, people be nice. God, we have a new, yeah, a new pet name for like, people like this. <laughs> if, I I just want to say real quick, like if you are like in a public place, just put some earphones on. You know, what? like Don't, like yeah. Don't spoil things for people. Don't, you know, if it's something that's currently going on and it hasn't had months and months to sit there, at least have the decency to put a pair of headphones on. And in this case, like, I did ask 
her, I, I told her, you know, like, okay, well, I haven't seen this. Please, can you turn it down? And my request went unheeded, but... <sighs> That's rude. That's rude. Okay. But anyway, in, in, in uh, closing, because I'm going to try not to keep... I'm going to try and keep this very unspoilery. Um, this was a really great episode. I really enjoyed it. And it's interesting because it's one that I would say that Emma and Snow were maybe in it for a grand total of five minutes. Yeah, which is, you know, it's cool that they're really exploring a lot more, a lot, you know, more of the characters. Like, Yeah, I, I like that. Because I, I, this is definitely an ensemble show, and your strength lies in that. So giving everyone an equal time is good. And I, I like that they focus, you know, this gives... This gave a lot more to Regina as well, and it gave David stuff to do. I mean, they're doing really well with the balancing act. They're being very weeding with how they're able to balance this show and give the care each character its due and and the story its due that each of them has. So I'm I'm really liking this so far for a second episode. It's it was really great. Um, so I want to move on here, though, to the rest of the Week in Geek because we have about 20 minutes before we're going to bring on our discussion people and, and our discussion people. God, that was, yeah, our guests, discussion people. Jessica. Discussion people, guests. Yeah. <laughs> discussion people. So um, I'd already mentioned this the last episode about Mockingbird Lane not happening. And I guess um, the reason it didn't happen um, after doing some research on line is the fact that NBC and Brian Singer um, and Brian Fuller uh, did not agree on how they were setting the show up in regards to where it took place. And I'm guessing that Fuller kind of like he did with um, uh, pushing daisies, which if you haven't seen yet, you really should watch. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Brilliant show. Was they wanted he wanted to put put this into some sort of uh, alter reality sort of uber you know very visually off kind of world like not our world but somewhere else like it's it's our world but heightened kind of deal like pushing pushing daisies was and so they didn't like that they wanted it something like oh you're gonna put this in you know Springfield Ohio or something like that and. They, they kind of clashed. So what happened was it didn't work out, and so they decided to scan, can it. And apparently they put $10 million into this. So NBC is now, um, and I, I wish, I actually kind of wish they would hurry up and do this this month, because I actually would like to give it a shot and see it. As much yeah, as I gave, the, gave it grief, I would like to see what they were going to do. And because um, Eddie Izzard, vampire, come on. Well, yeah. Uh, even yeah. So, like I said, you know, I'll watch anything with anything. <laughs> so apparently, NBC is looking into making this into a one-shot movie because huh. they did film the pilot. They filmed uh, footage, extra footage. So uh, it looks like they're going to try and put it together as a standalone full-length TV movie of the week, which they haven't done many of those lately, if any, in the last year or so. So I think that would be nice. And, you know, it would have been great if they could get it done by Halloween, but I don't know if that's happening. The other uh, news that came out this week as well was the fact that um, we are going to get a lost Tolkien 
uh, poem, epic, that he wrote is being released. They found uh, Tolkien's King Arthur. Oh. Yeah, so they actually have a manuscript um, piece. To, they're putting it together, and um, HarperCollins is going to um, release this, I believe, next year. And uh, what a great timing, you know, with the, the Hobbit coming out. But, um, so, oh, go so ahead. So this is kind of like one of Christopher Tolkien's projects. Like, right, he's in. Right, he's putting it together, and it's stuff that Tolkien had written, and apparently, I guess this actually predates his work on Lord of the Rings and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's older stuff, so they're going to be releasing that. I believe it's coming out next year at some point. Um, but, yeah, uh, they're going to, you're going to have a new work by Tolkien on the shelf. Dear so. HarperCollins, take more of my money. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, like, I am, I, I love Tolkien. Like, I took two classes on Tolkien in college. So, you know, anything. They're like, oh, hey, by the way, this. And I'm like, okay, just take my money. I don't even. Take don't my money. Care. Shut up and take my money. Shut up yeah. and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you, you don't even, all you have to say is Tolkien wrote. And I'm like, okay, here's, you know, cash money. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want hey, here's, my kidney. <laughs> here's my kidney <laughs> yeah god yeah that's just i feel that way advice with it i'm just gonna it, yeah <laughs> it's pretty much how i feel about tim burton which yeah. by the way i went and saw frank and weenie just <gasps> fyi oh my god i only teared up four times oh. four times i didn't outright cry um, and it was amazing. Frank and Weenie was great. You really should take your children to see it. You actually, I, I've, I've said this before, you see the soul of Tim Burton on that movie screen in this movie. I mean, you really do. You see the heart and the soul and the little boy that was Tim Burton in this movie. He is Victor. And, I'm really um, excited to see that. Uh, Oh my, oh my God. And then on top of everything, his parents at one point are watching the horror of Dracula with Christopher Lee. And I got to see Christopher Lee and horror of Dracula on an IMAX screen for about 20 right. seconds. And that's worth the price of admission right there. So, uh, so you think it is like kid appropriate too? Like as oh, far totally. as like, cause, okay. Cause I went and saw Paranorman, which is a fantastic movie. And I adored it, but I definitely would not take my kid to go see it. No, Frankenweenie is definitely kid appropriate. I think. I mean, there, it, it's it, it's beautifully done. I mean, I it's the first black and white, all black and white stop motion animated ever. I mean, it it, it they never never has anything been done like that. Uh, full full length stop motion animation in black and white. We know Tim but, Burton's been wanting to for Oh, years. totally. And it, it is so good. It is beautifully done. There the homages to everything throughout are just brilliant. Like Gamera, there's Creature from the Black Lagoon, there's the oh. Mummy, and and just so much good stuff. And I I love Sparky, the little dog. Oh, oh. my god. Just give me my Sparky. I want my own. <laughs> but um but yeah, that you really should go see Frank and Weenie. Take your kids, take your little brother, little sister, and just go see it and enjoy it with them. It's a great way to get a kid interested in old school horror, which is sort of relevant to our, our show tonight. 
Totally. Um, yeah, and also I went and saw Dread, which no one else apparently went and saw Dread except for a few. So of my okay, friends. you should have you should have called me because I've been looking for someone to go see that with me for weeks now. Oh my god! No, I had it, they moved it to just one effing showing at twelve twenty five. Oh my gosh! I could it's only go. Supposed to be really really good. It is super good. It is beautiful. Oh my god, so amazingly good. Now only I, I would go see it again, but it's you know, it died. It it flopped because they did absolutely no kind of advertising for it. And yeah, they did and I, I mean they handed out posters at Comic Con, but I didn't even know they were making it before then. I knew it was coming because I love Carl Urban and I, I follow that guy's career because he's he's just damn good. And he's a big and old geek. Sexy. And he's sexy and he's a big old geek and he he was awesome in this. He just and he never takes off the mask. The helmet but does not just, come off. He's just so awesome. He doesn't need a face. No, he no the frown, the the scowl. He has the scowl. So it was it was great. I absolutely loved Red. I actually wish I had seen it in 3D because it looked so beautiful in just 2D. And this, you could tell that like the the effects would have probably been well served to see in 3D because they yeah. were just beautifully done and um, just great, great movie. Uh, it you know it didn't need a big budget at all. It was perfect, and I really enjoyed it. And it completely washes away the taint of the Stallone one that oh, was, God. <laughs> had nothing to do with Dread at all. That had nothing to do with Dread. So yeah. I believe um, my friend Joey then after he saw that he you know and and he loved it he's you know the comic book editor at IGN.com I believe he wrote a dread essential reading list So if you oh, go yeah if you go to the comic section at IGN.com and and search dread there's if you, if you go and see this and you love it and you're like you know I'd really like to see the origin of this character um check out check that out and just you know that, that, that's a good list. I'm not going to make one for you, so I'll, I'll direct you to my friends list. Well, and also um, another, if you if you got to, if you did see Dread and you really dug it and uh, love that world and want to know more about it as well, Big Finish Audio has an entire Judge Dread series. And the uh, voice acting is amazing. And there's also the Johnny Alphas that Simon Pegg voices Johnny Alpha, who is of part of that. Yes, and he does so very sexily, and uh, as he does most things. Ha ha. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I absolutely I, We all agree. I think it's a requisite. I love that man. Um, but uh, he does a great job in these as well, and there's a crossover, because they are in, I believe, the same universe. Uh, there's a crossover with Judge Dredd and Johnny Alpha that's really great. Um, so, Big Finish Audio go check it out and go check out um, the, the reading list because Johnny, Johnny Alpha and Judge Dredd, all those, uh, what is it, 2000 AD, I think is what the line is called. Great comic books. Beautiful stuff. Terrific. Um, so also, uh, just FYI, we had our first cancellation of this new fall TV season. Ooh, who was it? Made in Jersey. Did I you hear, didn't... did you even know what this was? <laughs> no, and the title itself makes me want to vomit. So it makes me sad because I think Kyle McLaughlin was in it, and oh. that 
poor Kyle. Ma- you know, you know what? He missed his boat on, and we all missed the boat on this. And I've been saying this for years. They needed to have made a Man from Uncle movie. And sat, I don't know. I think he might be too old now. But Kyle MacLachlan in the day, back when he was in uh, Twin Peaks, uh, would have made an amazing Napoleon solo. He is uh, Richard or Robert Vaughn. He is Robert Vaughn. And now, if if they could get young Kyle MacLachlan and bring in Alexander Skarsgård as uh, uh, Ilya, we would have had an amazing. Amazing Man from Uncle movie. But no, we don't get that now. So Kyle McLaughlin, if 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 there's any way to make it happen, you should have been Napoleon Solo. Sorry. And I've not been, in made in Jersey. Not whatever, not made in whatever Jersey. Whatever the hell that is. I we'll <laughs> never know, thank God. Thank uh, God. It is gone. Thank um, you, Jesus. <laughs> yes, thank you, ABC. I think that's who sent it to hell. Um, just real quick, because I, I know um, Sarah has uh, has a piece for Geek. I just wanted to um, give a little FYI on some Doctor Who insider that I've caught wind of. Um, they are filming right now the the second part of season seven, and. Uh, there's been some dialogue released from some of the new episodes, uh, some of the scenes that are being filmed. And it sounds really like that, uh, I think Oswin and Clara, you know, how they're supposedly the same girl. Uh-huh. I think they're going to do this whole weird thing. I think they're going to be ripping off some of the big finish stuff where she's going to be a woman out of time. Because... She apparently shows up in the Christmas special, yeah, and now, and yeah. and I guess this episode that they they gave us this dialogue from, he meets her again, and it's modern. Oh jeez! So I don't know well, what I'm just like. I'm not really encouraged by how the season's gone so far. I hope that I just hope that it was them wanting to get rid of the pawns quickly because I really this yeah. season has blown the big one for me and I'm not it, pleased. I cannot I you know it's usually like I'm I just can't name one episode this season that I'm like this really resonated with me and usually it's like every episode of who just yeah. You know, has some something in it that you know I'm like yes this is why this is the best TV show ever and um, yeah I don't know like I said I really do think it's Moffat being having too much of an ego yeah but- I, I I he needs to stop because yeah. it's just not yeah it's at some not- point at some point you need to step back and say you know. As great as I think I am, I need to, I, my respect needs to be for this show and for the, the rich history and the fans. Right. Not for my own, you know, not for my own ego devices, my own yeah. ego, my own benefit. You need, you know, any show like that's, I mean, been on as long as Doctor Who and has as many adoring fans. Like, you really have to put your ego aside if you're going to work on it. 
that's just what you have to do. Well, and just this show, I don't know. I don't know what there's something definitely up with the writing this season. It's hollow. It's hollow and it, it's hokey and it's lost the soul of the of the the series quite a bit. I mean, um very American. Yeah, life. and and I I can only hope that they bring back like, you know, Neil Gaiman came in on a one-shot deal Gorgeous. and made and and created like one of the most one of my and I am old school loving Who Girl. I love it all. That one became one of my top five episodes ever of the show. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, it can have it can be done. All it ta- all you need. I mean, even if your subpar, if you've got subpar writing, like has happened this the first half of this season. If you can just get one doctor's wife in there, and for the rest, and just right. have me one doctor's wife episode this season, you've saved the season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give us so, yeah. So Amanda, I don't know if you're around, but I think it's about time we bring on our people for tonight. Can I do my weekend geek? Oh, quick? that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, edit okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, here's Sarah. What is your weekend geek? My weekend geek is uh, I just want to say get out there and register to vote. Um, really, really important. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever, you need to register to vote and you need to vote in the election. It's, I mean, if we want the geeks to inherit the earth, we will not do it by not taking part in our democratic process. Like, um, you know, it's, and if you're not sure if you're registered, just go and do it. Like just because, um, I know at least in Oregon and probably everywhere, every time you move, You've got to register to vote again under the under the address you're currently at. So, you know, I was reminded because I just had to do it because I just moved. So, um, so I just registered, and you only have until the 16th of this month. So you have one week less than a week. You have six days. So, um, go get registered. Right, exactly. You'll have less than that once the show airs. But um, I right. think that you can do that at the DMV. Uh, um, I think you can actually, if you ever, if you're getting your driver's license, I believe you can register, do your voter registration during the during the driver's license um, sign up. And you can, I mean, you can do it online now. Like, yeah, just, I, just look you up your, look up voter registration for whichever state you live in, and do that and. Um, on a comic book related note, uh, some of the first, uh, Marvel Now comics came out, um, Wednesday, which is today, which will be yesterday tomorrow. It's Timey con- wimey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Red She-Hulk and Uncanny Avengers number one. Sweet. So if you're into comic books, keep your eye on those Marvel Now. So. Yes. Awesome. So now after I screwed that all up, we can go ahead and bring on our guests for the night. So uh, everybody, let me introduce you to our guest tonight. Um, J. Michael Roddy has an upcoming uh, documentary called Monster Kids, and it is amazing, and he's got some great people in it, and uh, I hopefully will pop up in there at some point. I'm not one of those great people, though. He's got people like Greg Nicotero and, and, and 
George Romero and this craziness going on in this thing. It's going to be awesome. And then also we have with us tonight Jean St. Jean, who is probably one of the most badass toy guys in the industry. I'm just going to say that because it's true, because you do the cool stuff. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll send you your check after the show. <laughs> just send me another Marvel bust or something. <laughs> I pet that thing every night with a diaper. I swear to God. Um, but <laughs> Good God. <laughs> but it's true. But, uh, that is a lot of imagery that I have to interpret now. <laughs> it, and it's only <laughs> so tonight's topic of discussion, I brought I brought um, Michael and Jean on tonight to talk about um, the Universal Classics because we just got that um, the the Blu-rays just came out and uh, they're they look gorgeous and I need to save up money so I can buy them. Um, but uh, I I think it's uh, important to give props to the classics because a lot of people kind of forget where we get the things that we have today and what inspired them. And the cl Universal Monsters have just endured um, for many years. It's you know we're up we're up to like decades and decades of these guys being around, and you still can't top or get away from the uh, the interpretations of those films. So I felt it important. I wanted to have a couple of people on that appreciated these films and, and knew their stuff as well and talk to you guys about what what why do you still love these creatures, specifically the Universal films? What keeps them uh, alive in your heart? Uh, no, let's not all talk at once. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with Michael. Well, it's interesting. You know, I I, I just got the set uh, last week, and it's it is it's stunning. the The Blu-ray set is stunning, and you know, especially the work they've done on Dracula. the The fact that Dracula still holds up and is actually scarier now than I've ever seen it before, just because of what they've done with the audio. You know, there used to be this kind of audible hiss that would mm -hmm. run through the movie. Now it's eerily quiet. I mean, that moment when he's first coming out of his crypt and the vampire brides are all awakening and you see kind of the possum and all of that, it's so chilling to watch. Um, but, you know, I think the, the thing about that, that series is it, it hit at a time when America was going through such a financial uh, such financial strife. I mean, it hit at the, the heart of the Depression. Right. And it gave people something to replace their fears. I mean, they were living in fear every day, and now we gave uh, horror a new face that was fantastical and could almost be fun to be scared, as opposed to worrying about the fact that, you know, the the country was going to you know be gone and and your financial situation would be gone now we could say oh my gosh you know there's this transylvanian count and there's this reanimated corpse walking around and the thing that i really love too is just the artisans the what they did the, uh you know todd browning james whale obviously jack pierce um they created imagery that has stood the test of time. No one had seen anything like it before, 
And it's still, I mean, it's so ingrained, those moments, you know them, you know those imagery, uh, those, those images. And what I love is that the younger generation now is going to be able to have those films accessible to them in a, in a world that's all about high def and all about, you know, 1080p. Now they can watch them and they'll still hold up. And I hope it opens up a whole new audience to those those films because they are classics for a reason. I mean, they're all fantastic stories and, and chilling. I mean, when, when the monster turns around for the first time, it still holds such a great power. Well, and like, I know that they, I believe the Phantom of the Opera with Claude Rains is, is uh, part of this mm-hmm. set. And yeah. that movie is in color. Yeah. Correct. And it, how does yeah. that look in compare on, on this? Because it, it looked lush and gorgeous just seeing it, you know, on a regular well, old television screen. Yeah. And I, I think that's, it's funny you bring up Phantom because uh, we already got a uh, Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera Blu ray, I believe, late last year. And that's beautiful. And uh, to me, that's the only thing that would have made this set completely perfect is the inclusion of that Phantom along with Universal's 1943. But the thing that is great about Phantom is it's, it's really Universal's, it was their first foray into horror in color. Right. Um, it's almost kind of an event movie, as well, and it, it, it kind of crossed the crossed the genre to where it, it was a lavish spectacle, just like some of Universal's musicals of the time. I mean, they were competing with the MGM musicals and, and things like that, and it was the opportunity to take this horror film and create something even more of a lavish spectacle. And it is—it's gorgeous. And I mean, you know, Herbert Lom is fantastic. Uh, Claude Rains, uh, well, Herbert Lom is fantastic. You you need to see the film. Well, and I I just was I was um, I always think about that one as being the oddball in all of the Phantom movies ever because he's her father. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, it, it. sorry it. sorry oh you my have, god no, oh, I'm horrible. Like a- 40-year buffer zone. Uh, okay, like, then I, that's not so bad. But 40 that's like years the, after the fact, it's no longer considered family, <laughs> and it's just considered common sense. And if yeah. you it, don't know it, that's your own fault. Yeah, it, it's true. It's at least 40 years. If it's like 60 or 70 now, God, I'm old. Um, but that that's the, one of the things that always sticks out about that one to me, and, and the fact that it is more of a musical than any other of the Phantom Opera. Op- of the opera movies that came out even yeah, after and the- I, I, I have to I have to fix I said Herbert Lom I meant Claude Rains Herbert Lom was in the 1962 version yeah I, I, knew more, I knew what yeah, you were meaning I knew what you were meaning and, and, and I know I know I meant Claude Rains who you know played two of the classic monsters you, you know between Invisible Man and, and Phantom and then also obviously was Lawrence Talbot's father although father. I have to say that's that's so crazy to watch Wolfman now and look at the fact that we're supposed to buy that Claude Rains was Lon Chaney Jr.'s father. I mean, <laughs> mom must have been six feet tall. <laughs> That's true. I never thought about that until you just brought that up. I'm like, I always thought it was funny how they tried to get around the fact he didn't have an America, he didn't have an English accent because he was raised in America for some reason. Yeah. And, it, and you never figured out, it was probably just because Lon Chaney Jr., probably couldn't do a british accent or 
be bothered with it. Yeah, well, yeah, and yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. His, uh, he stands out of that film like the rest of the not, and this is not a, he does a great job. I mean, his no, portrayal he's, he's, is, yeah. is tortured. But it's funny that they chose to surround him with all of these great British actors or this great kind of feel. And it, it, it really, it, I love the idea because he really truly is as American as you can get. Especially and he's, in the and he's, Yeah, and he's a complete outsider in, in the middle yeah. of being an outsider. He's even more so because of that. So it's, yeah. and he's so freaking tall that yeah. he like towers over everybody. Yeah, of all the films, and I love, I, I mean, I love Lon Chaney Jr. I think he's great. I mean, he is the Wolfman. He was the only actor to take that role in those films. Plus, he played the monster, obviously. My only, my only, and he played the mummy, but my right. only misstep, the Chaney films of the Universal Saga, uh, his son of Dracula, you know, I a little liked off. it. <laughs> yeah, no one wants to see a beefy Dracula. <laughs> He just fed. <laughs> I love. I. I actually. I. I don't know why, but I love Son of Dracula a lot. I. I still don't. I guess it's the whole Bayou thing. I don't know. It's very noir. Yeah. But. Yeah. But Gene, I wanted to give you a chance too, because I know that you were inspired to. You know, you. You do some. Just like I said, your your work is beautiful, and you you just did. We just talked about the monsters a little bit at the beginning of the show before we brought you guys on, and you just did the monsters line. Uh-huh. Um, and I just wanted to find out from you what in, what did you take from that? I, I know in your art, your in your art that you took from those films, and and uh, what inspired you yourself. Well, um, as a kid, that was the stuff. Even when I was very small, that I gravitated to. Um, immediately was, um, you know, initially it was superheroes, but, um, the universal monsters, those were, I grew, I was born in, uh, like 65. So around then that was kind of just at the cusp of when hammer was starting to kind of develop a little bit, but the universal stuff was still rampant on TV. So that was the horror that I grew up with. And, um, just really bonded with and also around the same time Aurora started doing their model kits and there was this the universal monsters were just everywhere so I was building model kits I'd be watching the TV, the movies on TV and the monsters were on and the Adams family and I was and there was even all sorts of crazy little cartoons within like a 8 year stretch like the groovy ghoulies and all this weird pseudo universal type stuff and <clears throat> That's just, I was immersed in it completely. So when the opportunity came up, it was the very first time I worked on any of it was in around 97. I did a creature for Hasbro for one of the um, previous companies I worked for, this other studio, when they had the universal license. And um, then I didn't touch any of it for a long time. It was pretty much all superheroes and some of Todd's monster stuff and whatnot. And when Diamond came up with it, they had already started the line and they were about four figures in and I was looking at the stuff just to kind of review it for them. And, um, once, and then they threw a couple figures my way. I did the Wolfman and the bride. And once I did the monsters, they decided instead of going for kind of a semi-articulated Aurora kit kind of thing, mm-hmm. they wanted to 
go all out with articulation and accessories. So what I decided is that I wanted them to be super articulated action figures, but with all the accessories and bases of an Aurora model kit. So it's kind of the best of both worlds, but still try to maintain proportions and likenesses that would be better than anything that had been done up to this point. So basically once I took over the line, um, was the first, first one I think I did was the Cheney Phantom. And we kind of talked about like, there's always, they always have to consider what their cost is going to be. Right. Uh, if you're going to do the Phantom, it has to be Lon Chaney. You have to have this rights and we have to produce the organ. No one's done the organ. There's been some, Sideshow did a couple of pretty good um, Lon Chaney Phantoms in 8-inch and 12-inch. No one's ever done the organ. So, you know, I pushed them on that, and they figured out how they could cost it out, and we decided to do the variant. And I told them, we do the variant, we got to do the masked head with the hat and give him the violin and the music stand. That way, if you buy both figures, you have the whole diorama with all of his, you know, musical equipment and uh, he has the um, Don Juan triumphant score. And so that's really what I've been pushing for so that this stuff is as legit as possible. And even with the, the mutant, actually, the metal and the mutant comes out, I think, this week um, with the interocitor. And that was another thing. I was like, the monster's really cool, but everyone's, a couple companies have done the monster. So if we build the interocitor, then you not only have this famous monster, which... You know, it's the, some of the old sci-fi monsters are really cheesy looking. But once you actually dig into studying the makeup to reproduce it, and if you can offset it with something cool from the set like that pseudo-futuristic technology of that interocular thing, then you have something that, you know, you have sort of this kind of crude prosthetic makeup and balance it out with this very clean futuristic piece of equipment, then you can really do something cool with it. And I've been trying to figure out ways that they can still afford to produce them and just do stuff that hasn't been done before. Because the biggest hurdle with the universal stuff, you can always sell it. But the problem is, is that because you can always sell it, someone's always doing it. So um, even just, what is it, like four or five years ago, like Jack's had it and then this Toy Island company, and they both kind of crapped all over them. Yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about because I have the, I, I'm, I'm a Dracula nut, and I pretty much buy anything that I can find on, if I find a figure of Dracula, I'll get it. And I think the one you're talking about just looked like poop. And was that the one kind of shaped in a coffin box or something? And you had pieces... Yeah. Yeah, the um, Dracula always gets the short end of the stick because 90% of the time people don't want to deal with the Lugosi estate, you know, to get the likeness rights. Right. And so they just do a generic Dracula and, you know, that's, it's a problem. I mean, I'm always into monsters, so I just, you know, I pretty much buy everything. But um, that the real selling point on Dracula is either you do Bella or you get the rights and you do Christopher Lee. Those guys are kind of the That's match. it. Yeah, those are the you know? two. <laughs> and there's a lot yeah, of other ones I like. I like Frank Langella as Dracula. I like the other guys, but those two guys are kind of the main ones, especially Lugosi. Although I got to say, as a kid, like I said, I was really into all this stuff, but it always bugged me, even when I was really small, 
that the wolfman strangles people. He's like, okay, he's supposed to be a werewolf. He's got teeth and claws, obviously. <laughs> and he strangles people. And I was, you know, probably four or five when I saw it. I was like, why is the werewolf not biting people or scratching them? And same thing with Dracula. He doesn't have any teeth. And I read the book when I was probably seven. <clears throat> yeah, well, and they, they never showed, you know, like Lugosi never really got to be shown biting anybody. Yeah. yeah, never, yeah. Except, but you know what he did? The one time he did, and it was in Abbott and Costello. Right. Yeah. And that was it. Oh, so right. Sarah, the Abbott and Costello, was it meets Dracula or something? Meets Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And that's the only time you ever see him actually going for a bite. Yeah, but and you it, know the other problem with that movie? And I love Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I wish I could go back in time and convince them not to shoot the scene in front of a mirror because you full on see his reflection in the oh, mirror. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody talks about that. <laughs> That's you a big sticking point. You can't see Dracula's reflection. What is this? What is this? <laughs> yeah, not well, right. Dean, I, have, I have one question for you, and then I'm, I want to have Sarah talk about her, her, um, her favorites. Uh, if you had your druthers and you had any chance to recreate any, because I'm a Dracula girl, if you could get any Dracula ever done every any character actor any dracula ever made what one would you like to get your hands on to make a doll of uh i would probably pick uh christopher lee i bet you did a good one oh. he has I such love, a great face he i have the um the 12 inch doll and i absolutely love that thing that they did um hammer sent out and okay <clears throat> yeah they're the bust and stuff they're doing are gorgeous I have, I've never seen anything that great, especially out of a, a company I really never heard of before. And the stuff's well, fantastic. The Peter, I bought the last Peter Cushing that they actually had in stock at Comic-Con. The guy sold me on it. He's like, this is the last one. Hammer doesn't have any left. We don't have any left. This is it after this. You're, this is actually, I'm selling you the display model. And I'm like, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> Get me. Get me. Get me. All right, Jessica Sarah. doesn't have a problem. No. <laughs> Take my damn money and give me Peter Cushing. <laughs> so, Sarah, what um, what is what do you take away? Because you're probably the youngest of us here. Um, not to make you feel bad or nothing, but what what do you take from these old classic films? I just um, well, for me, as far as monsters go, and like I, you know, I saw a lot of them as a kid. And have recently been re-watching them because it's just been so long. But, um, you know, as a kid, I was raised in a very um, conservative family. and um, But I always loved monsters. But they were kind of forbidden in my house. So it was just this, this guilty pleasure that I just loved. And I was supposed to feel really bad about watching <laughs> these movies. But... But I didn't, and so, I don't know, I guess it was just kind of, like, this wonderful thing that was all mine, you know, monsters, they're all mine, and so I've just grown up loving monsters, and um, today, when I go back and watch them, you know, as a little kid, they were terrifying, even though this was, you know, in the 80s and 90s, still, you know, terrified me. Just, like, the the look of them and and just the, you know, the thrill of watching it. But um, 
they're just, you know, really gorgeous. Um, I know, like, one of them that uh, is Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, 1954, um, I think it was. Uh, just the, the shots in that film are just really pretty and just really striking. And, you know, it took a lot of patience, I think, to get those angles just right in the shadows like in the beginning of it the movie when you know you just see the creature's shadow on the on the side of the tent and that's just fantastic you know well and that that uh, makeup design that whole costume design is to this day is one of the most gorgeous pieces i've ever seen and the swimming in it that the, they actually had the actor swimming in it yeah, yeah, and That's and amazing. <laughs> yeah, they I can't it, do that now. <laughs> well, and I think his name it was Rico Browning played him in, in the in the underwater scenes, and he didn't have, as far as I know, and 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 Michael, and you might know this better than I, he didn't have any like breathing apparatus in there, did he? No, he was no. No, okay. he, uh, he was a professional, he's a professional diver, but that's one of the reasons he was hired. He could hold his breath for a very long time. And they had an air, they had an air tube that they could run to him at some point, but I mean, you're still talking, he's in some shots pretty far away, you know, I mean, and the, his, his way of swimming, you know, when we were all kids, I, I dare say when we were in a body of water, how many of us did try to emulate that classic, you know, creature's <laughs> But nobody can. It's amazing. He swims like an alligator. It's it's fantastic. And as somebody who has been a swimmer before, like a lot of my life, like I mean, I can swim well, but I cannot swim that well. It is it's amazing. And and the like another thing with like you know the the Dracula movies and um, the makeup in them. I'm gonna be a girly girl for a minute. I love makeup design. <laughs> I love it. Um, You know, makeup artistry is is fascinating to me. And even when you take it on a high-definition television today, it still looks phenomenal. Well, also, you know, Jack Pierce, uh, what he did with Frankenstein and The Bride and and the Wolfman, and just all that, the works that he did back then, with what he had to work with, to this day, that man is a god. Yeah. I, I, I challenge anyone to, to, to say no to that. I mean, he did some amazing work with what he had back then, and that's why Rick Baker has become Rick Baker, and these guys that followed suit, that's why they, we have what we have now, is because you know, kind of circling back. What we have now is because of these guys and these films. And, And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people who do horror today, like, they, like, at least the films that I really respect, is that they're not trying to do it better. They're just trying to make something that, you know, pays homage to the classics. Yeah, well, they have to to get to that standard. They have to make that... I don't know if you can ever recreate the magic that was then. I mean, Hammer did it. And Hammer... But Hammer had its own kind of feel. But the Universal films... 
the great stuff well, about Hamlet is that you got to see you got to see it in color and you got to see blood, you know. Right. And and also, I mean, from the male perspective, I, you know, I was born in '68, so when I started seeing those Hammer films, they started becoming prevalent when other things started becoming prevalent as well. So it's like you had, you had this really cool monster thing, and then all of a sudden you had boobs. I mean, you're yeah, like Caroline Monroe showed up, and it was like game over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's 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 sort of I I I would almost say that the Universal flicks are the the fairy tales that we began with, and they feel like that. They have that otherworldly feel to them. And then when we got to Hammer, that was our adolescence yeah. and our our awakening to oh, there's this now. Oh, and there, oh, that's what that means. <laughs> yeah. and, well, and, and it's funny to watch that progression and then you go into you know the modern horror where it, you have even more where it's like as as you've progressed there's a field of horror for you you know there's the the safe horror to get your your education on with with the classic monsters that are these fantastic right. tales as you get a little bit older it's like okay let's discover hammer and then when you get a little bit older it's like all right here comes here comes friday the 13th and and halloween okay you know and and then there's nothing apparently after that <laughs> we well, well and, and stuff we had before well, and that that's kind of what's so funny about how I, I feel about these movies is um, they make me feel safe. They're my friends. They're my old friends. And I can go back and, like, if I want to go to if I want to go to sleep at night and, and I'm having trouble sleeping and I want to feel safe and soothed and what have you, I can pop in Bela Lugosi's Dracula or Frankenstein or one of these old you films. You have issues. <laughs> But you are a strange human being. I can put these movies in, and I feel, you know, they'll lull me to sleep because you're they're just gonna my... pop in like Human Centipede or something like that. Oh, yes. oh God, shut! I, I did that. <laughs> no, I did that once. I was, I was drunk. <laughs> I, did the, I did the Human Centipede when I was like, drunk. Like, hey, let's watch Human Centipede, and I fell asleep watching it i do not recommend it no oh just god don't, no. do not ever ever you know follow sometimes sometimes the best stories start out with that well you know i was drunk i was drunk you know that's the great oh, e- that's the great equalizer i think well, I, well, I know. I think we are about out of time, and I want to give uh, Michael and Gina a chance to uh, pimp whatever you've got going on. I know, Michael, you've got the documentary coming out. What else do you have going on? And then I'll hand it over to Gene uh, to give us a word on what he's making. Cool. Well, you know, I've, I've, I've had The Shark is Still Working. I produced that documentary, and that finally came out this year on the Jaws Blu-ray and looks fantastic, and we're very happy. So Yay. I've been working on another Yeah, I've been working on another project. <laughs> It's called Monster Kids, and it's really kind of talking about what we're talking about, the impact of especially the classic horror films on young viewers and how it touches a chord. You know, those monsters are outsiders, and sometimes that's an easy way for kids to deal with stuff that's going on in their own lives and how kids today are learning it, but also we look at the history of Monster Kids all the way back from Bob Burns and Forey Ackerman through Rick Baker. I mean, some of the interviews... Uh, you can check out the website. It's uh, 
Monster Kids Online. And honestly, I've just been so blessed. Uh, Jessica, you're in it, obviously. Um, and I also, if it's exactly what we're talking about. I, I, I want to hear these stories because you're not alone. And the funny thing is, is when we are for kids and we're watching these movies, sometimes we feel like we're completely alone. Like we're the only ones that love these movies and we're outsiders, and that's not the case. This is really a great opportunity for us to be able to, you know, love something and love it well and be positive. So exactly. I, I, so I'm finishing it up. I actually am trying to get a couple more interviews. My, my holy grail right now is to get Tim Burton. Um, uh. to, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just to give you a oh, quick man. rundown, we got we got Rick <laughs> Baker, Greg Nicotero, Tom Holland, Sarah Karloff, Ron Chaney, Leonard Malton, Max Landis, Tom Savini, Rico Browning, Bob Burns, Julia Adams, uh, oh Tom Woodruff, uh, Emma Jacobs, Alec Gillis, Cortland Hull. I, I mean, literally, I've got right now. I've got about sixty interviews, and I'm still going because awesome. this is my this is my thank you to what has been my life. So I, I can't wait. I'm hoping to have it, the first cut finished by early next year so I can start doing festivals and, and showing it at some conventions and stuff. Oh, Uncle Forey. God bless him. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Gene, what do you have going on? Uh, well, basically just to pimp all the new Diamond stuff that's coming out around Halloween. They've, what they've been doing is uh, refresher waves of all the previous monsters, or at least the most recent waves, and also the first series of the monsters. That stuff will all be back out in stores for Halloween. Awesome. And right now we're looking at where to go next with those licenses, and the next release of the monsters will be based around the Hot Rod Herman episode. Build accessories the staircase. Oh, does it flip open? Does yeah, it opens up. Uh, oh. If you hunt, well, if you go to my Facebook page, I put up pictures of it open and closed, and uh, that um, basically with the like with the Universal stuff, as long as the stuff sells, we can go on yes. and on with it. You know, so that's the key is uh, is people support the stuff and so buy I'm, it hardcore on pushing the stuff to be as cool and as involved as possible and also to represent as much of the material from the movies as possible as well so you know that's that's my main thing i've been pretty much immersed in that stuff it's been crazy going back to some of these films i mean i watch stuff like the creature pretty regularly but i go back to some of these like the old black and whites i did the hunchback and um and obviously the phantom going back to those and basically when I study this stuff I go I step time through the DVD and then screen cap a bunch of it to get the portraits and things and there's just so much more there than um, like what I do nowadays if I'm watching a movie while I'm working I don't watch half the movie I listen and to go back to these old classics and really just drain just try to suck in everything that's there it's just amazing to see what they did you know? That's awesome. Well, and and uh, I just wanted to remind everybody too, and thank you guys again for coming on. This was awesome. I know yeah, we went over, but this was just too good of discussion. I I absolutely love talking to people that love this stuff the same as much as I do. Um, don't forget that this month on October twenty fourth, 
for the first time at least that I know of, they're going to be having the double feature of Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein on the big screen. Um, look up fathomevents.com. TCM's doing it, and it's going to be a double feature, both of those movies back-to-back, with interviews with Sarah Karloff and um, I believe Bella Lugosi Jr. and Rick Baker as well in there um, during, the, during the presentation on screen. So be sure to check that out. I'm totally doing that, and Sarah, you're coming with me. <laughs> just so oh, yes, you know I am. <laughs> so guys thank you again for coming on this was great and I we have to do this again because it's fun to talk to you guys about this stuff um, you know I'm a monster kid forever and I know you guys yes, are you are. yes I am Yeah, and I'm Happy a girl <laughs> I'm a monster kid even though they tried to stamp it out of me So don't, don't let the monsters get stamped out the monsters are your right. friends and they'll always be there for no. you They'll always be there for you. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. So thank you again, guys. And you know what? Welcome to the month of Halloween. This is October, and, and this has been Fangirl Radio signing off. Thanks again. Thank you. My monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash He did the match It got on in a flash He did the match He did the monster match From my laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom where the vampires feast The ghouls all came from their humble Get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on in a flash. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. The scene was rocky while we're digging the sounds Igor on chains backed by his baying hounds The coffin bangers were about to arrive With their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five They played the match They played the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash They played the match It got on in a flash They played the match They played the monster match out from his coffin, Rex's voice did ring. Seemed he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool, Drax a part of the band And my monster mash is the hit of the land For you, the living, this mash was meant to When you get to my door, tell them what it said Then you can mash Then you can monster mash The monster mash And do my graveyard smash Then you can mash You'll catch on in a flash Then you can mash Then you can monster mash Man. 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 Man.
Monster Mash. Oh.